Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunes, and today we continue our off-season series going through the other 29 teams in the association. And today we're on to the Chicago Bulls. And for that reason, I have Jason Pat joining me, um, who is uh, editor for Clutch Points, co-host of the Cash Considerations podcast, also part of the Blue Wire podcast network. Um, and also does work for Forbes and Bloggable. How you doing, Jason? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. I, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, to join me on this. And usually the way that I like to start, I know it's a very vague question and, and people can take it in a handful of different directions and take however long you need. But um, for the people that weren't keeping up with Chicago amazingly last year, can you kind of walk us through what last the experience of last season was like for for the Bulls? Very interesting season, kind of weird. Uh, I mean, the, before last season, the Bulls um, were awful for four straight years after trading Jimmy Butler, um, and they made their big moves last off season, or they got Lonzo Ball, Demar, Alex Caruso, all that kind of stuff, which was exciting. I know people questioned the Demar signing and how much money they gave him and all that, but he obviously turned in arguably the best season of his career last year. And the Bulls were, what, at first, they were in first place in the East until basically like three quarters of the way through the season. I think they were 30, 39 and 21 at one point. Uh, that's 60 games in, something like that. And then the last month or two just absolutely went into the crapper. Uh, Lalonzo Ball injury, Alex Crusoe injury, injuries. I think he had multiple. Zach Levine was uh, battling injuries. And just the, the defense fell up, fell apart. The offense fell apart. Basically, just all fell apart. The last the last month or two, they were one of the worst teams in the NBA. It's getting with a tougher schedule as well. So, like they were getting routinely smoked. They went from first in the East to sixth. They well, they got that one win in that Bucks series where they won Game Two on the road, and I was like, oh, Chris Middleton's hurt. The t- series is tied one one. Coming back to Chicago, maybe they'll make the series interesting. And then they just got destroyed the next three games, and that was it. So, like on one hand, they were really really dang good for good portion of the season tomorrow was awesome to watch uh they were really fun to watch for that first stretch when they had Lonzo Crusoe and their defense was playing really well and then just it came crashing down to earth with that back half of the season or that back like last quarter of the season and the playoffs were mostly rough besides that one game uh so like after being so bad for four years it was nice to be relevant again it was nice to be competitive again and be a playoff team after just being junk and they did have the they had the war over the four years before last year, they had the worst record in the NBA. Worse than the Knicks, worse than the Kings, worse than just all these other bad teams. The Bulls were awful. It was a really miserable rebuild, and they, ne- they didn't get really any high-level talent out of it. And that's why they fired their front office, and they brought in Karnasovas and Mark Eversley to kind of change things around. And they had a nice season. The question now is, like, where do they go from there? Uh, and I, obviously, we'll get into what happened this offseason coming up, I'm sure, here. But... So, like, overall, like, I have to call it a successful season, but the way it ended certainly left a bad taste in the mouth uh, just because of how much it kind of just fell apart on them. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think that Chicago's really rapid improvement is something that Kings fans have looked to a lot as something that is potentially replicable, especially trading for an all-star big man. Um, I, I think it's easy to draw that kind of correlation. But I'm curious from your perspective, like what what was the cause of the turnaround? And I know, again, that's a very vague question, but like 
I think it's not Vooch, right? Like, is it, am I wrong in thinking that the highlight really here, there's all these surrounding pieces that are nice that I think Sacramento can look at as well. But is the big difference not DeMar DeRozan being an MVP candidate? Yeah, I mean, he, looking at like his clutch numbers, especially, he was arguably the best clutch player in the NBA, probably between him and like Joel Embiid. I believe, I believe DeMar was like one point less than Embiid in terms of clutch scoring, whatever, last five minutes when the game is close. Uh, but like, and he shot like 50 some percent in the clutch with his, I mean, mid range mastery. Uh, he had a couple game winning threes back to back right around New Year's. And just like, and DeMar's not a three point shooter and he had two ridiculous game winning three pointers. Uh, and so like, he won them a bunch of games. Uh, just the wins, the value added there was incredible. Uh, and then like, they were really good defensively to start the season with Lonzo and Caruso. Like, uh, they built their defense with Vooch as like a non-defensive big man, really. I mean, Vooch is fine when you have two guys who are just wreaking havoc in Caruso and Lonzo on the perimeter, helping to cover for, I mean, Vooch, Levine, DeMar aren't exactly defensive guys. Those guys forcing turnovers, passing lanes, deflections, and Vooch was good, decent enough to at least kind of anchor. Uh, he's a smart defender. Obviously, he's not a really huge rim protector, but great rebounder, smart defender can do okay when he's got really good defenders in front of him. Uh, so they, I mean that they use their defense and the offense. They had one of the better transition uh, teams in the NBA when they had Lonzo there. The problem again is once Lonzo was gone, once Caruso was gone, the defense just kind of came back to earth, fell apart. But when they were healthy, uh, and they were really never that healthy all season because Patrick Williams got hurt five games in. Uh, but when they had their main, like five, their best five lineup was, Caruso, Lonzo, Zach, DeMar, Vooch. That lineup only played like 90 or 100 minutes, but they were really good, dominant defensively, solid enough offensively. Uh, that like they were they were really good and really fun, and they had uh, that plus DeMar doing his thing, and I mean, and Zach was good, mostly good, not as good as he was the year before, but having those two guys scoring and then having Vooch as a decent third option, he was really he was a roller coaster last season, but. Uh, still okay as a third option, and then having that defense being much better, they were really good for a good portion of the season. And then just again, all the other factors kind of led to their demise. But uh, a lot of things came together to help them make that turnaround after being so bad for so many years. Yeah, and I think this is where the Kings parallel maybe breaks apart a little bit. Is that like not having that that Vooch or that um DeRozan caliber acquisition on top of the Vucevic specifically or even honestly, like you were still looking at this Kings team and I couldn't tell you who the fourth best defender is on this team. It gets really depressing really quick. <laughs> um, like some of the guys you're laying out, Alonzo Ball, a um, Alex Caruso, when Patrick Williams is healthy, like there's really solid defenders on this team, a Derek Jones Jr., who's somebody that Sacramento chased after at the same time during that offseason. Um, so, but I, I guess the expectations are somewhat different. Like I think the Kings are um, as much as maybe I don't love the long-term vision of it, it seems like the goal is just the play-in, the realistic goal compared to all the success that Chicago had at the beginning of last year. Um, but you mentioned Patrick Williams. That's somebody that's really interesting to me um, and also part of, again, where this falls apart and because some of the other parallels <laughs> are like Cleveland um, or, or Minnesota. And it's like, well, those teams actually were willing to tank for a year and get a really high draft pick that really helps with this rebuild. Um and you mentioned Patrick Williams going down really early. He's only going into his third year. I, I think that there were obviously were really high expectations coming out of Florida State. Um, but what do you feel like are reasonable expectations to place on Pat Will going into next year? 
Yes, Patrick Williams is huge swing part of this season there. The Bulls, with their re- relatively quiet offseason, um, banking a lot on him, making a, I don't want to say hugely, because I think that's putting too much on him, but if they do want to be a lot better, they kind of do need him to take a pretty huge leap. I uh, do not want to put big expectations on him, even if the Bulls kind of need it to happen, just because I just don't think it'd be fair to such a young player who has who missed most of last season. Uh, and it'll be tough just on his place on the roster. And he's a guy who just like doesn't, while he's shown flashes, he just questions on if he just like has I don't want to say has the dog in him, which is like a cliche, but like, does he like I might have use that mentality? Does he have the mentality to like whatever be? I don't want to say takeover guy because it's. I mean, it's just hard for him to be able to get that many touches when you have like Zach and Demar dominating stuff. And if if Lonzo ever gets healthy, he's obviously the point guard. But Pat's gonna have to take advantage of the opportunities he does get. He needs to be. Uh, he's a good, pretty good shooter, but low volume. He cannot. He's got to be ready to shoot all at all times. Like can't be record scratching. Got to. Got to be getting those shots up, uh, and just and also I do hope they do give him some like on ball opportunities. Like if they want to use him as like, maybe like a bench guy, because like last year like the bench was basically DeRozan doing everything, every, and the other guys standing around watching him, which like it worked most part. But like, can they rely on that again? It would be nice to have another guy like Patrick Williams who maybe helps out with some on ball creation and just to help him develop. Because like I, I just don't want him to just be like standing in the corner and just shooting threes. Like we want to see him to. He's going to make any type of leap. You want to see a bit more development in his game. So, like, so like, I think he averaged, well, like eight or nine points his both uh, first couple of years. And last season, I mean, he only played whatever it was, like 15, 20 games. Uh, he had a few big games, like, at the end of the Buck series. The last game of the year when it was, like, all scrubs, he had, like, 30-something. Uh, hard to take much from that game, though, when it's basically like a G League game. But he's shown some, like, flashes of that kind of stuff. So, like, can he get that scoring average up to, like, 13 or 15 a game? Maybe. I don't know if he's going to get that many touches. I don't know if he's going to have that mentality to, to shoot that much and instead of deferring. It'd be nice to at least add, add like five to seven points per game to his average. I feel like something like that is at least reasonable to ask. Maybe he won't hit it, but like, I don't, like, I'm not expecting him to go from eight, nine points a game to like 20 points a game this season. I, I mean, obviously, I think the Bulls are hoping that maybe someday, like as DeMar, if they don't trade him, uh, as like DeMar ages out, uh, and maybe they kind of go into like their next iteration of the team that Patrick Williams can become that guy. Not expecting that this season. I have my skipped uh, questions about him, just if he has that mentality. But uh, a lot is kind of riding on him just because they they really didn't do much this offseason. The Lonzo Ball thing is just very, very troubling with his knee injury. Uh, and can, De- I mean, can DeMar do what he did again? Like he, again, he had like the best season of his career. If he takes a step back, other guys are going to have to step up and replace some of that. Uh, production and you hope Patrick Williams could be one of those guys. Yeah, I just rewatched the the Kings Bulls game that they played in Chicago uh, a couple days ago last night, something like that. Kind of preparing for this, and DeRozan just is ridiculous. Like <laughs> yeah. I know the Kings are are just absolute dog shit to be honest on defense. <laughs> it had no good options, but the difficulty of these shots that DeRozan is hitting is ridiculous. And obviously, the game plan isn't to is to not jump on the forty different right. pump fakes that are bound to come before get shot. You. Yeah, but that just means you have to stand there with your hands up and he knows that you're not going to contest more than that. And it's just like the shots he hits are ridiculous. And it does feel tough to like bank on him having the same sort of efficiency that he did last year. But he I don't know. He he is ridiculous uh, for sure. I I think another guy is especially that lit up the Kings and has a questionable range of outcomes to me is is Kobe White. 
Um, and he was one of the guys that I think that um, on certain nights was when those tri triples were going down, that spacing seemed to be really helpful for Chicago. But going into year four, it doesn't, unless I've somehow totally missed something, I don't believe there's been any sort of extension nope. um, agreed upon or anything like where do you feel like you kind of land out with Kobe White when it comes to where he fits long term with this team? Was that was that game right around the trade deadline? It, it was right that? after they got Sabonis. So okay, yes, yeah, that makes right sense. Because that was a stretch where I believe Kobe White he did not get traded because there's been trade plenty of trade rumors with him, and he had like four or five great games. I think right after the trade down, it's like oh, like oh, the pressure's off. Like maybe Kobe's like all right, like he's gonna roll end of the season he had like, like i said i think he had like four or five big games and then like he was awful the rest of the season he was terrible in the playoffs brutal the last month or so uh and like that's just kind of been the story with him like he has these stretches where uh he hits whatever four or five threes like three or four games in a row hits like 70 percent and then he goes on a stretch where he just can't make anything and he's unplayable because if he's not hitting threes he really can't do much else. It was like the, the point guard experiment kind of is not just kind of didn't work out with him. He's can't defensively. He tries, tries, but he's just not very good. So he's like, if he's not hitting threes at a high rate, it's just not really much going on there. Uh, I thought he was going to get traded this season, but like the problem or this off season, the problem is like trading him. Uh, the bulls just have so such little shooting on their roster overall three point shooting. Like, are you going to trade one of your better three-point shooters, even though like he hasn't been that good? Like he gets he gets them up at a high rate, but like his actual like accuracy hasn't been that great in his career. But still, like one of the few volume three-point shooters on this team, and they just don't have many. And now if Lonzo Ball misses time, like that that's forty-two percent at like seven or eight attempts per game you're missing. So like, uh, and just like and obviously Kobe is just depth at guard as well. So it's like I still kind of thought they were going to trade him, but like they would have needed to replace his shooting somehow. So like. This season, I, I, don't, I don't even know what to expect out of Kobe. Uh, the Lonzo thing is obviously going to be a big question mark, but they have in the backcourt, they have Lonzo, they got Caruso, they signed Goran Dragic, they drafted Dale and Terry, um, they have Kobe, they have Zach Levine, they have all these guards here. Um, so it's like, I'm, they, the, the, there were some trade rumors, but it didn't seem like there was anything that like went anywhere really. It seemed like they were asking for a lot. So, I mean, maybe they still value him, but like there's been really nothing like extension talk wise. And like, I would be very hesitant to give him to commit to anything there. I mean, maybe you give him, try to maybe find some type of team friendly deal for him, where then maybe you flip him later down the line. But like, you can't really commit long term money to him. He just hasn't shown enough. He's, he's been kind of bad for, or just, I don't want to say bad, but I mean, sometimes he's like totally unplayable, but. Again, there are other times where he goes off and hits like five or six threes in a game. And it's like, oh, great. Here we go. Here's Kobe. And then it just doesn't happen. So it's like just kind of a wild card. It'd be great if he finally started showing some consistency, especially, again, the lack of three-point shooting on the roster is glaring. It was not addressed this offseason. So they kind of need him to hit threes. Whether he'll do it, I do not have much faith in him anymore. But I would love it. When he, when he gets going, Kobe's a really fun player when he just starts chucking and making threes. But uh it's just so inconsistent. It's just been the story of his career so far. Yeah, obviously not the same caliber of shooters, but it sounds very similar to a Buddy Heald experience, I got to say. Yeah, um, Buddy's definitely better. But, uh, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. I noticed when you're going through these guards, um, which there are a whole lot of guards on this team, I don't fully understand the signing Goran Dragic, by the way. Um, but I noticed you mentioned Ayo. 
And, and I, yeah, I totally forgot about Iowa. Yeah, I mean, it's, and I'm an Illinois guy, so that's like terrible to forget about Iowa, who probably will start. If uh, it seems like Lonzo, I was going to say there's a lot of hype year. around him. I guess, I, I guess, I guess I don't know if they'll start Iowa Crusoe. I would assume it's one of those two, unless they also like really love Dra- Dragic. Like I was also mystified by the Dragic signing when that happened because it was like, even if you have the Lonzo question mark, which they still do have, like they have Io, they have Kobe, and if they want to like show off Kobe for whatever trade bait or whatever the heck they want to do with him. They have Caruso. They have Zach in the back. Like they have all these guys. They drafted Dalen Terry. Uh, I don't know if they just like, they were that worried about um, Lonzo that they thought they needed just another, like more pure point guard. And that's why this, and just a veteran. Uh, obviously I was young. Kobe's young. Terry's a rookie. Uh, Caruso's not really a pure point guard. So like, maybe that's why they signed Dragic. So like, I guess like if Lonzo does miss the start of the season, Io's filled in and played huge minutes last season as a starter. He showed some a lot of nice things, uh, developed a nice little rapport with Vooch as well. I would probably start him, I guess. I don't know. Caruso, like Caruso is one of their probably their fourth or fifth best players. So maybe you just start him instead and maybe just not really go with like the you could, I mean you have guys who could handle the ball with Damar and Zach, so maybe they just they just do that. Uh so I guess either one of those guys would probably be fine starting, but Io was a really nice surprise last season, just going back to him. Uh, Second-round pick. A lot of people thought he should have been a first-round pick um, out of Illinois. Uh, like He was obviously one of the best guards in the country at Illinois in that, in that junior season. Um, but I wasn't really sure like how much of a point guard he would actually be in the NBA. I think a lot of people thought you know like he's uh, more like a wing defender. Maybe he could develop his three-point shot, and he shot decent from three last year. He kind of fell off at the end, but he showed a bit more point guard skills than I was expecting. Played some pretty solid defense to start. I mean, he kind of, I think he kind of tailed off at the end of the year just because he played so many minutes with Caruso and Lonzo out that I think he probably just kind of hit a rookie wall. But uh, he's supposedly had a huge offseason, put, putting in a lot of work, muscle watch, all that kind of stuff. So uh, that's another guy. Like we're talking about the Bulls, like the theme of the offseason was like continuity and development and stuff like that. And besides Patrick Williams, I think there's also a lot of hope that Io takes a big step. And if Lonzo, Misses the start of the year, which it almost almost certainly is going to happen. And depending on how much time he misses, like they're going to badly need Io to be really good. So, crossing my fingers on that one that he can take a leap as well. Yeah, there definitely seems to be a lot of excitement about him, and and understandably so. I think after the rookie year that he had, and um, I mean, obviously a really good college player, like you said, and to see that okay, maybe this is going to translate better than people thought. I, I definitely understand the optimism. Um, after that. I yeah, don't exactly uh, with Lonzo Ball. I don't even know what to ask. <laughs> like the knee injury obviously is is worse than people initially thought it was. Like I, I don't even know what there is to say about Lonzo. Like when he comes back, he will, I guess. But I have zero clue when <laughs> to expect that to be. Like, is that kind of where you're at? Yeah, I mean, just like I mean, he went. He the last game he played was January 14th. Um, the Bulls got smoked at home by the Warriors. I was at the game. It was absolutely miserable. Um, and then like a week or two later, he has the meniscus surgery. They say like, I think what, six to eight weeks timeline timeline. And then just like kept getting pushed back, kept getting pushed back because it wasn't the meniscus. That's the real problem. It's this bone bruise. Uh, and like every time you think of it is that Kendrick Nunn Lakers missed all season last year with this bone bruise. And it just like, it just never, 
never got better for him. Uh, and I think he's going to play this year, but I don't know. But with Lonzo, like it's just the, it's the same thing that keeps getting reported. Every time he tries to really ramp up and like get back to full speed is he has discomfort or some or like the, I read something yesterday that like some days he's okay. And then like other days it's not, it's great. There's pain still. So it's like, at this point, it's just like assuming that he's going to need some other type of procedure to fix it. Or like, I don't even know if that's something like, I'm a doctor. Like, I don't know if that's something a procedure can fix with this bone bruise or if it just like, it just needs a lot of time to heal. So I think the combo of the bone bruise plus like this meniscus surgery, it probably just complicated matters greatly. Uh, and now, I mean, now we're, what are we, nine months later since that initial surgery and he's not going to be ready for training camp is the reporting. Uh, probably going to miss the start of the season. How far into the season will he come back? Who knows? Who knows if he will end up needing another surgery, another procedure at some point. I don't, at this point, you're just crossing your fingers and hoping he can come back at some point. He just, he's just so important in this roster. But all the stuff he does, he's such a great glue guy between the three-point shooting, the defense, as I talked about earlier, transition, passing. I mean, he's just the best pa- passer on the roster in general. Um, he just brings all... He kind of just brings it all together with all the skills that he's, and he's really the only like, <clears throat> unless Patrick Williams and like maybe Io, like the only like legitimate proven like two way player on the team is like I mean Zach and Le- and Demar aren't really defensive guys. Vooch same thing. Uh, Kobe White is a gunner. Patrick Williams hasn't proven yet that he's can, like a capable two way guy. Maybe he turns into that Io the same way. He's and he has his flaws as well, and he's a young player. It's so, like Lonzo is like the one legit two way guy on the team. And when you take that out and you take out everything that he does, uh, that's one of the reasons why the Bulls got their butts blown out like every other game uh, the last 20 or so games of the season once they were playing good teams. So just his uh, everything he does, uh, his absence was very glaring. And that's why it's that's why like there's always some up some optimism going into a season, I feel like, for teams. But his the question mark of him definitely just brings down the optimism, especially because the offseason was so quiet and with all these other teams making this making big moves and the Bulls just not doing much and relying on continuity not having Lonzo Ball there just kind of ruins all that unless they get these jumps from like from the younger guys uh so it's just really tough with him it's it's brutal really unfortunate because he's uh he's turned into a really good player yeah, I absolutely love Lonzo as a player. So glad that he's not a Laker anymore. So I can <laughs> yeah. feel uh, okay rooting for him. Um, yeah, I mean, just everything that he does. And once that three-point st- shot started going down at the extent that it did, it was just like, okay, he is a really, really good player in this league. And and hopefully he can come back and uh, stay healthy because uh, for reasons you laid out, I, I think he definitely seems to be a pivotal piece of this team. What is the front court look like after the starters? All right. So uh, you had Vooch and Pat starting there. And then they signed Andre Drummond, who not a big Andre Drummond guy. But, I mean, he's better than Tony Bradley was last season. Better than Tristan Thompson, who was awful. I mean, Tony Can't Bradley confirm. was pretty bad, too. Uh, oh, yeah. T- Tristan Thompson, former king, right? Is that he, who he was yeah. with before the Bulls, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he was not good. Uh, Tony Bradley can't catch the ball. He's good, good at being big sometimes, but so Andre Drummond should be better than those guys. How good will actually be? I don't know. He's only 29. It's it's always amazing when I remember that he's like not even 30 yet. But like, wow. Uh, yeah, great rebounder. Should help the Bulls on the glass. And then like, and then they also have like a bunch of other guys who like theoretically are centers. Like, 
Tony Bradley is still there. Why? I don't know. I wish he was not on the team anymore. They could use his roster spot for somebody else. Uh, more shooting, something like that. They also have Marco Simonovic. A, uh, he was a second-round pick a couple years ago. He was didn't really play a single meaningful minute last year. Looked pretty good in Summer League, or at least had some better games. He played in the G League like all last season. Put up big numbers. Him, I worry that he's just like a like a four A type guy who can kill like lesser competition like the G League and summer league, but just can't hack it against NBA talent. And then like the other front court, I mean, Derek Jones Jr. is back, and like they have a bunch of guys with like Derek Jones Jr. like Javante Green are like very similar in terms of like undersized guys who like fours or even fives who can't shoot. I did not think they would bring both guys back, but they did. And they re- Derek Jones Jr. Like I like him like in a vacuum and like he did some nice things and they used him as a small ball five a little last season. But like, again, another guy who just can't shoot at all. And he's only six, what, six, five, I think. And he's skinny. So like, I just don't really know why they brought him back uh, and didn't use his roster spot on more shooting. Um, trying to even think who else they even have on the roster. Well, at the, they, just, they just don't have many like, Force. That's what. That's why Patrick Williams. Another reason why he's just so important is they just like don't have guys from like who many like six eight six nine just like solid fours. They just, just don't have it. It's basically Patrick Williams and like I said Javante is like six four and like Javante bless his heart bundle of energy. He filled in admirably when Patrick Williams missed time last year, but uh, very limited player as well offensively. He's just an energy guy. I mean, like I said, him and Derek Jones Jr. are just very similar. Yeah. So it's like. <laughs> Uh, and then Dalen Terry, I guess, is six seven. Maybe he'll get some like small all four minutes, and if they want to get him out there, play some three or four. Demar, we know, plays some power forward as well. So it's like the Bulls just don't have many big wings. They have a bunch of big guys, and then like a bunch of guards, and they just don't really have many like wings, bigger or like bigger forward types. So it's gonna be interesting to see how Billy uh, mixes and matches some of these some of these lineups. Yeah, relying on either one of Derek Jones Jr. or Javante Green to play consistent minutes doesn't sound like a great recipe. I, I really like Javante Green like for what he is, right? Kind of yeah. like what you're saying. I, I love his obviously ridiculously athletic, athletic um, great hustle, and, and yeah, does what he can with his tools. Just a limited player, like you said, and him and Derek Jones Jr. definitely feel like overlap. Like the forwards on this roster don't, yeah, it doesn't. There's not many. There's not yeah. many. And after and Patrick like, Williams, yeah. I have no clue. They, like they, they whatever. They signed Justin Lewis as like an undrafted free agent. He tore his ACL. He was going to be a two way guy. So like maybe he could have been a guy like that. A six seven two forty five forward. Again, torn ACL out for the season. So like that's not there. Um, one of their other two way guys is Malcolm Hill, but he's more of a guard, six six. So it's just like. That's what, again, Patrick Williams, a lot riding on him as that big, as that forward, that power forward. Um, so very, it will be very interesting to see how the, how the rotation works out in some of these ways. Yeah, very interesting, especially for a guy that hasn't been exactly the definition of reliable up yeah. to this point uh, in his career. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. 
Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. 20th Century Studios presents Vacation Friends 2. Now streaming only on Hulu. Look at us. All together again. We just wanted to give you guys a real honeymoon. Shots! 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 That's now streaming. Shots! He was just released from jail. Where can I get a drink around here? Back on vacation. This place is nice. It's drug lord nice. I'm sorry, drug lord nice? With more baggage. Ever since he showed up, he turned this relaxing vacation into total chaos. Does that. Vacation Friends 2, rated R, now streaming only on Hulu. This feels like a place where I mention Harrison Barnes. Um, every one of these, I, I try to see if if the other side is interested in either of Harrison Barnes or Rashawn Holmes. And Harrison Barnes has been a name I feel like that's been floated around. Maybe this is from just from Sacramento's point of view, um, but Chicago has been a team in my mind that has made sense in the past. It, do you think that the Bulls will be active in the trade market throughout the course of this season? Would it depend how the start of the year goes or how do, how do you think that that'll, that'll work and who do you think their likely trade uh, assets would be? Yeah. Uh, we talked about uh, like our podcast, Cash Considerations podcast and just in general Bulls Twitter, I guess you could say. Uh, Harrison Barnes was a very popular name that came up, just especially with Patrick Williams being hurt. It's just like they need a power forward. Harrison, it was, I mean, it was Harrison Barnes and Jeremy Grant were the two <coughs> names that were always brought up. Uh, the question was always just like, well, like, are they going to trade Patrick? Like, should they trade Patrick Williams for one of those guys? Uh, most people, I feel like, said no. I was on the fence. I feel like leaning towards really possibly, just because like uh, I with Pat it just had been somewhat skeptical. And I think and I think I also got sucked into like thinking the Bulls were like probably better than they actually were and like. Well, they just at the, this, at like, the deadline, they were they yeah, were really they, just, oh, they need this like missing piece, this missing power forward, and maybe they could actually like make a deep playoff run. So like, with, with especially with the core being where it is in terms of like Demar's thirty two, I think that's what he is, or, and like Vooch is thirty thirty one. Like, I just don't know how much like time this core has together. Like, maybe they should just go for it now, and like maybe they should just trade Patrick Williams for Jeremy Grant or Harrison Barnes. So like that was it was a discussion a lot we had a lot. Uh, like now I don't think they would probably do it. And I mean, I guess like so maybe some of it would depend on like how things are going. I mean, I don't think they would trade Patrick Williams for it. doesn't seem like they're that interested in trading Patrick Williams unless it's for like legitimate star player. Uh, I was, there was the reports like they were hesitant to include him in for Rudy Gobert. Uh, it seems like they didn't want to include him for either Grant or Barnes last off or last trade deadline. So it's like, I think they have, especially he was their first, the, this front office's first, first round pick i think they have a lot of faith i mean they like took him like higher than i think anyone most people thought he was going to go so i think they like he's kind of like whatever their baby uh they really want to see him work out i think they want to give him as many chances as possible and they don't want to cash him in for something that maybe maybe won't move the needle enough and like it has to be like a star player other than patrick williams as a trade asset like i mean kobe white has been talked about in trades forever um Vooch, I think, could be moved depending on how things are going. He's he's going to be an expiring contract, um. So like, maybe again, if like things go poorly to start the season, it will really be interesting to see what they do if they try to if they go towards more of a blow it up thing. Because again, Vooch, Vooch expiring, Demar is getting up there in age, and he still he'll, he'll still have one more year. But like, uh. Maybe they do look to start selling off and things and kind of start over again. I don't know. I think a lot of it just depends on the start of the year, which is another reason why 
Alonzo Ball injury is just such a killer. It's like they w- really want to get off. You always want to get off to a good start, but like uh, they really need a good start because again, if they like, I think the start of their schedule has a bunch of like back to backs and it's decently tough at the beginning. So it's like they do get off to a bad start. Like, will this thing spiral out of control? And will they in, in an Easter conference that should be really good? Like, what's going to happen there? I don't know. So like. Kobe's the oh, it's just the name that's always going to be there for trade stuff. I think Vooch could be, could be as well. Pat is arguably their best trade chip in terms of young assets. All the other guys, they just don't really have that many other like salaries that are like movable. Like, they're not going to trade Zach. Obviously, they signed him to a five-year max. Demar, like they're not going to trade him this season. Maybe if things go bad, maybe they would trade him next season. Unless they unless things go really bad, maybe they they do look to blow it up. But then like again. The rest of their contract, is, the rest of their roster, I mean, it's Io's on a small deal. I don't think they really want to trade him. I'm not sure what they'd get back. Like, maybe you package him with other guys for something really good. Do you think uh, Lonzo? I mean, Lonzo, I mean, Lonzo, like, I, I don't even know, I don't how know to what feel. his value is at this point when he's yeah. got, he's on a four year deal, but he's not, if his knee is busted, like, what are right. you going to get for him there? So, like, they just don't have many, like, mid, like smaller, like, movable contracts besides I mean, Pat. It's Pat and Kobe, and then Vooch is on. Vooch is at least on a reasonable deal. I think at like twenty or twenty twenty-two million. So like, as an expiring, if they want to go in a different direction at center, which I thought maybe they'd explore, there were some reports of a possibly them talking about an extension with him uh, this offseason. Obviously, I would not give him something that's more than like a year or two, uh, but we'll see. Uh, they should. I mean. It's the this front office has been very strange. Their first their first off season, they did absolutely nothing. They signed Garrett Temple and drafted Patrick Williams, and that was it. Then the trade deadline, they made the the big Vooch trade. They do that, and then they trade. They made another trade as well. Then the off season after that, they have their huge off season. Uh, and then last trade deadline, they did nothing. They signed Tristan Thompson. This off season, they sign. They do very little. They re-sign Zach. Obviously, no brainer. Uh, and then you sign whatever, Andre Drummond, Gordon Dragic, and that's it. While all these other teams do all this stuff around him. So it's been like a few very active, like big blockbuster, uh, whatever, acquisition periods. And then a couple of just like total nothings. So it's been like really hit or miss there. So it's been, it'll be really interesting to see what they do. And a lot of it, I think, will just depend on how this they get out to start this season. Yeah, and and I think that falls into the same a little bit with with kind of Harrison Barnes. I, I mean, I would expect him to be moved on from, but I also could see how it's a tricky scenario where it's like the Kings want to win right now. I don't, yeah. I, it's debatable if that's the way that I think is maybe the smartest way to go, but that's <laughs> definitely what they're doing. And if you're trading Harrison Barnes, you kind of need another one. Um, but you don't want to just let him walk for nothing right. at this off season. At the same time, like, would you consider a Harrison Barnes for Lonzo ball? It's kind of the only thing here. If there is anything, I don't, know how to feel about it from my side but would you consider that i don't know i mean i i guess probably not just because like at this point like you're if i guess it maybe it depends on what's going on with patrick williams uh was like if you're trading harrison barnes I, I don't think they want to trade for harrison barnes and like start him over patrick williams unless patrick williams is just like a total flop uh i think ideally they like if, if things go to crap I think they would probably want to then maybe shift to prioritizing Patrick Williams and like his part of the future. Maybe so. like, I don't know if trading for Barnes would really do much for them in that case. Uh, And if things are going well and like Pat is playing well, um, but like say if the things are going well, even with like Lonzo's like weird situation, like would they then 
still go to trade Harrison Barnes. I don't know. I feel like that ship maybe has sailed at this point. Unless like things are going well. Like let's say Alonzo comes back, things are going well, but Pat is still just kind of uh going along. But then in that case, I don't think they trade Lonzo. Like it, so it's like I just don't know if I don't know if there's that match there anymore. I think last year made more sense because things were humming along. Patrick Williams was hurt and like still kind of, and obviously a young guy with talent. Maybe that would have been a guy the Kings would have been interested in as they whatever when they were <laughs> whatever they were doing. <laughs> yeah. You know, whatever they were doing, and that the Bulls clearly like had a need at the four. Uh I just don't know like now if that makes as much sense. Um, but again, it could depend on just a cer- certain scenarios playing out, I guess. Yeah. After like, and really I'm mainly throwing Lonzo in there because that's the matching salary. Right, here. salary. Like, yeah. like you laid out, it's so hard yeah. to figure out. Like if Pat will wasn't doing it, I guess like the other matching salaries, like Patrick Williams, Alex Caruso, that feels like way too much for Harrison Barnes. Um, yeah. 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 I, Caruso. Yeah. I guess Caruso is another guy who's like that mid salary guy, but I mean, Crusoe is on a great deal on the mid-level uh, as yeah. one of the best perimeter defenders of the NBA. I think you're not trading him unless you're getting somebody like way... I mean, Harrison Barnes is a good player, but uh, and it would be a nice fit. But I think if you're trading Crusoe, you got to be getting like a really major difference maker there. And, like, I don't know if Barnes is that. He's just a really nice player. No. Yeah. No, I'm definitely, uh, definitely with you. I, I think that ship has probably sailed there. Um, is there anybody else that you want to highlight on on the roster that you feel like we haven't touched on? Like, I don't know if you want to go into Dalen Terry or or uh, some of those maybe uh, two way guys you mentioned or anything like that. Is there anybody towards the back end of the roster that really interests you? Uh, I mean, I guess Terry will be interesting to see just like how if he plays, how much he plays. But, I mean, with like I.O. last year, like I really wasn't expecting him to do much. And then just like kind of by necessity, he was uh, thrust into action and did pretty well. Like, I'm curious if that, I mean, I hope it, I don't want him tailor Terry to play by necessity. Obviously that would mean major injuries. Don't really want to see that happen, but uh, I mean, I could see him getting some minutes as an energy guy. Uh, he seems to be a great vibes guy. Uh, his jump shot is hideous. That's going to need a lot of work, uh, which is just a theme, maybe, a theme huh? of this bulls roster. <laughs> is just that they have some really nice vibes guys and energy guys who can't shoot worth a lick. Uh, and like having a one or two of those guys, great, but like it'd really be nice if one of these guys could get a jump shot and not actually knock down some three pointers. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if he if he plays at all, how much he plays if Billy Donovan gives him a chance. Other than that, like the other two way guys, I guess, I mean, Justin Lewis, really just really unfortunate that he tore his ACL. Malcolm Hill is another Illinois guy, uh, but I, he's really not, he's kind of whatever at this point. Uh, I think they just signed uh, Jan- one of Giannis's brothers. I think it's Kostas, who's going to be battling for a roster spot. I, I don't think it's going to mean anything, but uh, I know the Bulls fans get excited when the Giannis, like any ties to Giannis, comes up because uh, maybe he'll come to the Bulls someday. Probably not, but uh, <laughs> I was at, he had the, he made that comment like a few weeks ago. Like a Chicago reporter asked, like, "Oh, would you ever come to the Bulls?" And he was like, "Oh, you know, like maybe I think about it down the road." stupid stuff but uh yeah PR other than that uh i think we've touched on basically about everybody i i guess we haven't talked about vooch much and like vooch was a roller coaster last season as i kind of mentioned and um i t- kind of mentioned extension talks maybe uh it would be really nice if vooch could actually get his three-point shot back although like the one year he shot 40 percent from three was the year where there were no fans in the stands so i think that's kind of looking like an outlier where mm. 
he really took advantage of that. Like, but even the year or two before the year or two before that, I think he was at least better, like more like 35, 36. I don't, don't have the numbers exactly. Yeah, numbered, 40, but. 33, 36. Wow, that's so weird. I not gonna lie, I thought of him as a really good three point shooter. Yeah, because I mean, just whatever, two years ago, uh, he was at 40 percent. Uh, and that's when the that's is when the Bulls tra- when the Bulls traded for him, he was putting up like 25 and 11. Shooting forty percent from three again. That was when the fan, the stands were empty uh, for that first, or I guess most of that season. There were no fans in the stands because of COVID stuff. So like that whole year, I think. I mean, I think shooting was up around the league. Uh, clearly, I think that's a bit of an outlier. Still, it'd be nice if he could at least get back to like 36 percent. Because last year he was at thirty one percent from three, both in the regular season and in the playoffs. Like in the Bucks series, and they were just like, and they were during the Bulls to shoot from three all series. They happily obliged and were ha- and were miserably terrible. Um, and I think Vooch shot like ten, nine or ten threes per game in that series. He's certainly willing to get them up. Um, wouldn't be nice to see them hit, hit them better. And, he, and just like he was a, just a really frustrating player for a lot of the season just because like he started the year, he couldn't make anything inside either. Uh, he did pick things up a little bit, but like still then the defense fell apart and he's an easy guy to pick on defensively when things the big guy is always easy when pick and roll breaks down. Always easy to look at the slow-footed big guy and be like, this guy is just ruining their defense. Which, once he lost Lonzo and Crusoe in front of him, the the Vooch issues pop up. But like he was okay to start the season defensively when they when they had those other guys there. So like, if Vooch can at least get back to being, uh, he's not going to be a twenty and ten guy anymore. Not with Zach and uh, Zach and Demar in there, and with hopefully Patrick Williams taking some more. Uh, some more usage, but if he can get his efficiency back up at least a little bit, I think true shooting, he was like 52 or 53 last year below average, below league average. Not great. Get that up, get that back up a few percentage points um, and let at least be a little more consistent. That'd be nice. I don't know if, if he's got that left in them. He is on the wrong side of 30. Now uh, there were trade rumors, obviously with him too. Uh, he's a very easy scapegoat. A bunch of, I'm kind of likening him to what happened with Carlos Boozer, like the end of his time with the Bulls. When like when they signed him, he was pretty dang good. He was still putting up big numbers, uh, and then he just kind of things fell apart with him as he got older and he aged out. And like Vooch, uh, you ever like just follow a Bulls game on Twitter? Uh, the Vooch can be a really easy target, and he just had a few just like awful games last season, where especially against some better teams, against like more physical teams, like games against like Miami, Milwaukee. Although he was okay in the playoffs, and then like the, he had a few like Grizzlies game. I think the Grizzlies games he was just getting just absolutely manhandled, uh, and just an easy, really easy target. So hopefully Vooch could be at least a little more consistent, um, but we'll see. Again, major kind of a question mark there. Yeah, I, throughout this process of these pods, I've you know there's some teams that are kind of about where I expected throughout the course of this off season, and some teams that had a lot better off seasons than I expected, and some teams that have had worse. And I got to say, the Bulls probably fall into the latter category there. Um, uh, just a lot of question marks. Like, I, I feel like the range of outcomes is so wide for this team. But yes. the last the last thing I have for you, Jason, before I get you out of here, that um, I've been asking everybody, and I know this can be a little difficult. Obviously, I don't know much about Chicago. I don't expect uh, anybody that comes on to know much about Sacramento. But I'm always interested to get an outsider's point of view of, do you have any strong takes about Anybody on this Sacramento roster, whether it be a Fox and Sabonis pairing, um, Kevin Herter, Davion Mitchell, is there any sort of uh, strong feelings you have about Sacramento's roster or anyone on it? 
certainly can't say strong feelings. I mean, I think they should at least be a fun team to watch. Uh, when you have, I mean, Sabonis is really good. Fox, uh, hopefully, he can kind of. Fight. He was had kind of a down down year last year. Is that right? At least he yes, started definitely. poorly. Yeah, I mean, a couple of years ago, he put up like twenty five a game, uh, and it seemed like he was kind of ascending. And then I feel like, just from what I remember, like I, I admittedly do not follow the Kings that closely. Understandable. But, uh, uh, just like uh, theoretically, very fun player. Obviously, he's super fast, and I feel like he had some really nice clutch moments. He's had nice clutch moments in the past, uh, and now you give him a nice, a good big man who's really skilled. Um, Mitchell, uh, fun defender. Obviously, liked watching him in college. Um, I mean, I know a lot of people weren't in love with the Halliburton for Sabonis trade and Halliburton was the guy who the Bulls could have drafted at number four. Uh, I know we were, and they drafted Patrick Williams instead. And like, that would have been really interesting to see if they would have drafted Halliburton fourth instead of Williams to see how that kind of would have turned out. But uh, still like, I understand, I guess I understand like why, because I mean, they haven't been in the playoffs in forever. You're getting an, an all-star big man to go with your point guard. I guess I am curious like, do you think Fox is is he going to be long for this team? Like, I guess I have no idea. Like, what they're what they actually are look, looking to do besides get into the plan. Like, was like, theoretically, I think they could be a fun play, possible play-in team. Uh, I'm not sure how good defensively they'll be, uh, and I guess I just don't really not not sure what their long-term outlook is. And I totally forgot they traded for Kevin Herter, another guy who like I think will make them fun because he can shoot the ball. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think I mean just. I think I, did I see that Zach Lowe was really pumping up the Kings today on his podcast? He, I didn't listen he, to it, but I think I, I saw. I don't know him about pumping about them up, but at he least did, it's like better did. than most people give them credit for. He, he said that their um, over under on the Vegas odds was was way too low. Um, he also ended with saying he's going to put them at the 11th seed. To be fair, dang. So, <laughs> so just, just outside the plan, <laughs> yes, uh, which would be very Sacramento fashion. And that is the last thing that I'm going to, by the way, the long-term projection of this team, I've had many rants of like, I don't understand. And I don't think that there is a good long-term projection of this team. I think that they're at a point where they just need to get the stink off of this franchise and be mediocre for a little while and be respected. And I've had to come to accept that, even though it's like against everything that I believe, because I'm very much either you should be building to eventually win a championship or you should probably be resetting and trying to rebuild through the draft and the Kings just live in the middle forever. But I'm going to be happy with just being competent throughout the course of this year is the idea. Um, the The final thing that I have for you, Jason, that I get a I'm getting a hard yes or no on this from from everyone that I talk to and right. don't feel obligated to say yes, just because this is a Kings podcast. Do you think that the Sacramento Kings will end their 16-year playoff drought this season? A play-in is not playoffs. They okay, would have that's to what, win. That's the what I was gonna. That is what I was gonna ask. And I, I'd have to look at the West again. I would probably just have to say no. Uh, I, I mean, I just feel like there's gonna be a lot of teams that are trying to win. Like, there's obviously the Jazz are gonna suck. The Thunder are probably gonna suck. Uh, the Rockets will probably suck. But I mean, those are young teams, obviously not really trying to win yet. And then they're just like the. I feel like the rest of the teams will be trying. Yeah, so like, San you know Antonio the Kings, and then the rest. Yeah, San Antonio as well. Yeah. So like, there's four teams at the. So like, the rest just like I guess like if things go right, I can see the Kings getting in the plan. I just don't think that they'll actually get into the top eight. Um, I don't think they'll be awful though. Like I said, if they, I think mediocre and competent 
is probably a fair expectation. <laughs> I just wouldn't. I, I certainly could not bet on them uh, getting actually getting into the final eight. I don't even know if I'd do that with the Bulls, though, because like I said I'm with Lonzo, the Lonzo stuff right now. Like, I don't know if I can say that they're going to be in the top eight right now. If you look at like the Vegas odds, like uh, I think the Bulls are like seen as like the eighth or ninth in terms of like win projections. So, like, I don't feel like confident about them getting the top eight either. So, yeah, weird spots. <laughs> sounds about right. Yeah, for sure. Um, you are definitely not the only one, Jason. Most people are saying <laughs> no, understandably so. Um, again, anyone listening, that is Jason Pat at Bulls underscore J on Twitter, co-host of the Cash Considerations podcast, also part of the Blue Wire podcast network, um, also editor for Clutch Points and contributor for Forbes and Bloggable. Um, any final thoughts, Jason? Uh, not really. Uh, always fun. I'm excited for the season. We got what media days are starting up like this weekend. Uh, I think the Bulls one will be next week. So excited to be back. I was just in Europe for a couple weeks and now coming right back in the NBA season. So exciting times. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Kings media day coming on Monday. Um, And leading up to that and going through that, obviously the Kings Herald will have uh, good coverage and from myself and all the other guys and gals. So take a look at that site and their Patreon is for local independent Kings coverage. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Kings post podcast, please subscribe, rate and review and hear from me again in the next couple of days.